This is Joya Italiano. This is Jeff Ekman. And welcome to Oh, That's a Thing, a podcast about the real science and sci-fi movies. Even if you haven't seen the movie, don't worry. We use the movies as jumping off points for some pretty awesome and real topics. That's right. We're not experts at all. We're actually just a couple of goons who Googled some stuff. But this stuff is pretty cool. Yeah, so sit back, relax, maybe learn a thing or two. Here we go. Here we go. Woo. Welcome, guys. You guys all down with the sickness? Because I am. Why, Jeff? We Why? watched the movie The One. Oh, right, right. That movie was full of down with the sickness references. It, it, it was the best was right before a, an explosion goes off. Like you hear it, like the timer ticks down to zero, and then it goes. Ooh, ah, 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 and then, <laughs> then the explosion right. happens. That is so right. Oh, oh my god! Because what year? Two thousand. Two thousand one. Two thousand one. Yeah. Should we listen to the trailer? There's never been anything like what I have become. What if there was a killer traveling through parallel universes and he looked just like you? The good news is you're not crazy. What if he would stop at nothing to take over your world? Each time he kills one of you, the energy divides among the survivors. People get older, Gabe. They don't get stronger. They don't get faster all of a sudden. <laughs> and it's montages of Jet Li just being a badass. There's a bunch of Jet Li's. They're fighting each other yeah. and they're getting stronger. Fewer Jet Li's make stronger Jet Li's. Right. And the whole point is finding the one that's the, the <laughs> becoming real the one. one. Be- yeah, becoming, becoming the, the true one. one. Because if you kill all the other Jet Li's, then you become a god. Right. <sighs> Look, I gotta be honest, I was really worried because this movie, I remembered when I first saw it, I was like, that movie's fucking awesome. Right. And then, to be totally honest with you, rewatching it, I was like, that movie's fucking awesome. Right. I mean, okay, so I had never seen it, but I remember people going like, goo goo gaga over it. Just because, I mean... The martial arts. I don't think anybody yeah. was like, it really blew my world apart. You know, I don't know if I ever need to see this movie again. I understand <laughs> it's that. It's not like a quality <laughs> film. It's just yeah. fun as fuck. It's fun. It's also, I mean, oh, I'm in having a great time with between like Memento and some other stuff of like uh-huh. revisiting extremely millennial movies. Oh, yeah. And like being a 90s kid, right? Mm-hmm. I always the thought of... The 90s is being extreme in your face, blah, blah, blah. But then you're like, it the millennium. Came to a head. It came to <laughs> <At> the millennium. Because <laughs> then you have the like industrial like music. Oh my playing. God. The amount of Papa Roach in this movie <laughs> combined guess. with Disturbed, it's right. amazing. Oh man. I do want to say this movie was originally supposed to star The Rock. I read that too. I wasn't sure if it was true. It was called The Rock Movie. And oh. then once he had to leave and go do The Mummy Returns in 2001, this was all even before The Scorpion King. Oh, Fucking wow, Remember, yeah. he was The Scorpion King in The well, Mummy Returns. in The Mummy Returns, if you guys go watch this on, on YouTube, this clip is like the worst CG ever put on film <laughs> of The Rock doing the people's eyebrow in CG. Right. It's like, it, it's As really bad. As The Scorpion King, the Scorpion in, King the Mummy Returns, in The Mummy Returns. It's so absurd. It's and then really bad. They decided to make a whole movie. But okay, yeah. So then he had to go make that. And so the movie was just listed as, quote, untitled sci-fi project until Jet Li came on and then they called it the one. They were like, fuck, we had no backup. The the rock movie. I mean, he was the... He he was the one. He was the... Now we need the two. (laughs) 
it was directed by James Wong, who also did Final Destination, which I oh, really I like those movies. also really enjoy for its schlocky ridiculousness. And it, but it's like also directed in a really over the top way. Right. He also wrote and directed episodes of the X Files way back, and well, yeah, I because, generally like his work. Oh man, that actually might be fun to do the Final Destinations because those are yeah. those are yeah, it's like purely popcorn nonsense. Also, Devin Sawa. Oh, what a delight! Man. I just watched Casper recently. That was when he like the real boy. Oh, Casper man. is Devin Sawa pre like. I I did not know that. Oh, yeah, he's a delight. Okay, so there's a bunch of Jet Lees, right? And they're like, because the whole point of this movie is that it's like parallel universes and there's so many different... There's like 125 of them specifically, exactly that number. And (laughs) if Jet Li kills all of the 124 other Jet Lees, then he's the one. Exactly. But in order to just like set the stage for like how many Jet Lees there are, there's, (laughs) I forget the context, but there was just like a screen... Like showing a bunch of different Jet Lees who he was basically just given like a box of wigs and was just like, all right, we're going to have some fun and put on this wig. And yeah. play. There was like a surfer, like a beach bum it's guy. Amazing. The and- context <laughs> is that they're like, they have like the bad Jet Lee on trial and they're showing pictures of all of his victims, the different oh, Jet Lees that right. he's killed. And so it's basically a bunch of images of Jet Lee in front of a green screen <laughs> <Right>. wearing like <laughs> dreadlocks. Yeah. And then the next one he's wearing <laughs> a right, blonde wig. And like it's in the next one, you're like, you're like what universe? versus Jet Li look like this. I know. Like Cowboy this. Jet Li. Real American type. Peace sign. Yeah. I mean, I'm thinking he had like a real fun afternoon. <laughs> I think he had a lot of fun with a box of wigs and a green screen. Oh, we also saw in an alternate universe in the Bush v. Gore scenario, oh, Mr. Yeah. Gore won, and that was very topical. Well, that was one time. of the things because, like, I didn't even know because I saw this movie in the theater, and I remember it opens, and the way it tells you that you're not in your universe mm-hmm. is by showing that our president, Al Gore, mm-hmm. and at the time, it was like soon enough after the election that my 13 year old mind was like, wait a minute, did they? Did they fuck it up and didn't totally. have time to change it? Right. And then, like twenty minutes later, we're in our universe and it bushes. And I was like, "Right, whoa!" It's just like extremely winky. Yeah, yeah totally. Universes in this movie are all named after mythological gods. I don't know if you noticed that. I like, didn't pick up on that. Yeah, Lawless, like the bad guy. He's oh. from Anubis universe after the Egyptian god of the afterlife. Oh. Gabe is from Charis universe, which is after the goddesses of charm and beauty. Uh-huh. And the I know pe- there was the Hades universe. Right, after the Greek god of the underworld. And then the colony itself is called the, I, I forget how they said it, Stygian? Stygian? Okay. Stygian? Yeah. Who knows? And the, anyway, that's the penal colony. And the word Stygian refers to the river Styx, which was in the Greek underworld. Oh, on and then, the way to Hades. <laughs> exactly. I, I didn't pick up on all of those little illusions, but it's also because it's like it, you'll be a god if you defeat right, all of the other ones, right, so it's right, probably right. an illusion to that. Did but, you notice what ours was called? I don't know, but I know the location of the multiverse agency is just called multiverse... And so I wanted to talk about multiverses. So that place like exists outside of any universe in theory? Or is that like the universe that controls all universe? I don't, I don't even know. know what they're trying to pretend in the movie. I was only leading this up so that we could talk about multiverses. Well, let's, let's do, that. do that. Let's do that. So the concept of a multiverse is that our universe could just be one of an infinite number of universes. And I was looking into some of these plausible scientific theories, mm-hmm. and they are as follows. So there's, first of all, this idea of infinite universes. And it's because like scientists can't be sure what the shape of space-time is, but most likely it's flat and stretches out 
infinitely, right? Mm -hmm. So if space-time goes on forever, then it must just start repeating at some point because there's a finite number of ways particles can be arranged in space and time. Right. So the idea is that if you look far enough ahead, you would encounter another version of you, and then later, in, you know, in fact, infinite versions of you. It's In this way, it's a multitude of, of universes that exist next to each other in like this giant patchwork of quilt right. of universes. But theoretically, we could go there. Like it exists within our space. It's just far enough away that molecules have recombined in the same exact exact pattern. Right. I've heard that called a level one parallel universe, and mm -hmm. I think I've talked about that once or twice before, but I, upcoming episode, we're going to do the movie The Beach, and at oh, some God. point in that movie, he, like, in order to, like, kind of get the girl to be interested in him, he's like, you know, maybe there's another us way oh, yeah. out there looking down at us, and that's exactly what he's talking totally. about, this concept. It's interesting because there's infinite universes that are not necessarily parallel, though, but it comes from an idea within string theory called brain worlds, and mm -hmm. it's B-R-A-N-E right. worlds. That's that's like the parallel universe that hovers just out of reach of ours. So in his book, The Hidden Reality, Columbia University physicist Brian Greene describes it as the idea that our universe is one of potentially numerous slabs floating in a higher dimension space, much like a slice of bread within a grander cosmic loaf. Mm. So where like space time with the first one, the infinite number of universes, it seems like that that's just like going farther into the future as opposed to, you know, like a uh, fucking stranger things. That's the parallel right. universe. That's like in our universe. You just have to tear into the space time continuum. Right. It's like it exists in the same space almost, but it's like a parallel thing. Right. You could jump over to it. and Totally. And, and there's also suggestions that these brain universes aren't always parallel and out of reach. Sometimes they might actually slam into each other, causing repeated big bangs that reset the universes over and over again. Yeah. We've talked about this, like the idea of like the super, membranes that, you know, every trillions of years they touch each other and that right. touching may, yeah, set off an entire universe's worth of matter. Exactly. Totally. So then there's another idea called the bubble universe. Mm. And this is an idea that other universes could arise from a theory called eternal inflation. Inflation is the idea that the universe expanded rapidly after the Big Bang, sort of like a balloon. So eternal inflation suggests that some pockets of space stop inflating while other regions continue to inflate, thus giving rise to many isolated bubble universes. Universes. Oh, shit. So in some of these bubble universes, the laws of physics and fundamental constants might be different than ours, which results in some universes being very strange places, almost like the upside down. Like the physics are different than the physics in our universe. Exactly. And so likely there may not be any life sustainable in that universe because like one of the theories that I've heard related to this is how the reason our universe is the way that it is is that it's the only universe that could support life. Mm -hmm. And so the reason that we look around and we're like, why does it work that way? It's because it's the only way it could work for life to exist. Right. And so maybe in these parallel universes, nothing really does exist. Because yeah. the rules of gravity are different. Well, they say that, but then they also, it's almost like there's so many varying possibilities out there that like life works in a different way than it does on our planet. Right, so it's right. not saying that life doesn't exist. It just might be a very different version of life. You know, it's like that well, yeah, fucking monster, the Demogorgon or whatever. That's right. what I keep visualizing where it's like, you're clearly alive. You mm. clearly are a predator of some kind or whatever, but you're icky and gooey and yeah. you're in our world, but it's upside down. Well, yeah, like who's to say maybe out of every million parallel universes, three of them have physics that right. can make a 
life right and then the rest of them just kind of look like fucking mars maybe there's some water but we don't you know know where those life forms are so then there's the daughter universes and this involves quantum mechanics so quantum mechanics describes the world in terms of probabilities rather than definite outcomes so the mathematics of this theory might suggest that all possible outcomes of a situation do occur in their own separate universes for example if you reach a crossroad where you can go right or you can go left the present universe gives rise to two daughter universes Mm -hmm. one in which you go right and one in which you go left it's like red pill blue pill Mm -hmm. scenario like who knows but so like well also that indicates a binary choice you also have the third choice of like going off road or turning around and it's like how many parallel universes are created each moment of each choice yeah well yeah i mean like a constant butterfly effect you're constantly making choices that affect where you're going to end up but the theory is that from each choice then there's another universe that exists where like you are doing the other choice, mm-hmm. but in each universe, you guys each think that yours is the reality. Sliding doors. Yeah, exactly. So it's like, that's the thing is reading some of these plausibilities. It's it's more fun than anything because mm-hmm. I'm like, we're just coming up with shit. It's all blue happen. sky thinking. Like yeah. it's whatever your imagination can really bring to it within the rules of the universe. Exactly. So to round it all out, then I also found this idea of mathematical universes. So scientists have apparently debated whether math itself is the fundamental reality and then our observations of the universe are just imperfect perceptions of its true mathematical nature. So if the latter is true, then the particular mathematical structure that makes up our universe isn't the only option. And in fact, all possible mathematical structures exist as their own separate universes. I'm like, what? Because I thought, like, when we've talked before, I thought that, like, math was the constant. You know, we've talked before. It's like alien life forms could see math, and that's a way that we could communicate even without language. Well, because that's the constant within our universe. Right. In the world of a multiverse, all bets are off, basically. Right. Like, is your math different from my math? Right. Yeah, so this guy, Max Tegmark of MIT, proposed this theory, and he said... Quote, a mathematical structure is something that you can describe in a way that's completely independent of human baggage. I really believe that there is this universe out there that can exist independently of me that would continue to exist even if there were no humans. Mm-hmm. So again, okay. <laughs> like the rules of the the laws of the mathematics of the universe have nothing to do with us right. existing or not. There's other universes where like E does not equal MC squared. Mm. Is that math? Is that yeah, physics? That's, yeah, that's all part it's of. It's all part of really. It's an equation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it was cool to at least think of those plausibilities, like Mm. I said, but then I also found this thing on NPR called Scientific Theory and the Multiverse Madness, Mm. which emphasizes that, you know, the purpose of science is to explain observations. Mm. And in theoretical physics, they use mathematics for that. Theories need a set of assumptions plus a way to identify math objects with observables. One thing is that none of the assumptions that you make should be unnecessary. This is based on a principle known as Occam's razor, which is named after this 13th century philosopher. The simplest solution is almost always the best. Exactly. It's one of so, my favorites. Right. Yeah. So like progress in the foundation of physics has been characterized by simplification, like even complex chemical reactions are able to be simplified. According to physicists' best theories today, everything in our universe emerges from only 25 elementary particles and four types of forces. And he's basically critiquing because what it seems like is happening is that scientists or, you know, theoreticians or whatever are 
removing assumptions that we've made in order to describe the observations that we're making. Hmm. For example, the assumption that the gravitational constant has some value that you inferred from observation or about the values of the masses of elementary particles or the cosmological constant or the strength of the four forces. Like these are the assumptions that some theoreticians are beginning to throw out. What we know about the various forces or like the like how the forces work it's like we're throwing in, out. In order to justify those five multiverse possibilities that I was mm-hmm. talking about before, a mm-hmm. lot of times you have to throw out these constants and these mm. assumptions that have been made for the purpose of being able to explain the observations. Right. So his his argument is that like okay. you can't calculate anything in the multiverse. So the f- assumptions that physicists have removed must be replaced with something else. And what that something else is, is a probability distribution on the multiverse, which tells you like, it doesn't tell you what we do observe, but what we are likely to observe. And that's just contradictory to just how you know, scientific theories are are proven or at least accepted. Right. You know, well, it's funny how like this, we were talking recently about the double slit experiment. Oh, yeah. And how like particles are both particles and waves when it comes to photons and, and these different things about like, at what point did it decide which slit to go through? Mm-hmm. And it can retroactively make those choices. And so what I find interesting are these pieces of observation that don't jive with these generally accepted Mm -hmm. things. And so you kind of have to throw them out in order to think of these blue sky theories Mm -hmm. to shed all of the knowledge that we already have accrued to consider a whole new idea. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's a tough line to toe only because, you know, science is always changed. Like with, with further observations, certain theories are changed or amended Mm. or whatever, based on the technology or the means with which we can conduct those experiments. But overall, it sounds like, you know, it's still simpler to assume a constant than just an infinite number of universes with a probability distribution over them. And he had this, this nice quote that I think kind of encapsulates that he says, you can believe that the seeming arbitrariness of the constants of nature is due to an infinite number of other universes. You can believe that, but you don't have to. Science cannot confirm that the other universes exist, but it also cannot rule them out. Just like science cannot rule out the gods and the Mm. angels. Mm. And that's where I think the, the biggest thing is it's sort of like this God of the gaps, like, well, I mean, mm. you know, the creation of life is a pretty complicated thing. There's no way that it could have just like come about as, right. a, as a result of the Big Bang. Instead, you need this even more complex idea of right. a yeah. God being, you know what I mean? So that's kind of his argument. I, but I do think in terms of just n- knowing that there's going to be things that we don't know right now that we know later, it's right. like, where do you strike that balance between throwing out assumptions that you need right and then i don't know it's because sometimes it sounds like just fucking waxing philosophical well it sounds like like occam's razor would indicate a universe not a multiverse and so like the multiverse ideas are all great and they're interesting but until they're observable they're kind of just fictions exactly you know i i wound up doing a bunch of research on string theory this week Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because it came about like in the late 60s and really in the 80s it came to prominence it's, we've talked about the four fundamental forces of the universe mm-hmm. before you even just mentioned them. The strong force, the weak force, electromagnetism, and gravity. Mm-hmm. And string theory is another one of those grand unifying theories that's trying to tie all four of them together to explain everything with one beautiful equation. Mm-hmm. It was like really big deal string theory in the 80s because people thought that it would really quickly explain everything, but it's been a much slower moving theory mm-hmm. than than people hoped. The basic premise is that at the absolute smallest scale, down below atoms and below quarks, are these vibrating filaments or strings of energy. Mm -hmm. And the way the string vibrates indicates what kind of larger matter it'll be made into. 
so this is trying to reconcile general relativity like gravity with quantum physics. Mm -hmm. It does this by explaining that there are way more dimensions to the universe than we thought. Mm -hmm. So 10 dimensions is what string theory indicates. There's another thing related to string theory called M theory, which says that there's 11 dimensions. Hmm. Now, why 11 and not 20 or, Mm -hmm. you know, like these things I'll never understand. And also like what those dimensions are. It's 10 spatial dimensions plus one time dimension. Okay. I don't understand how they're 10 spatial dimensions. Totally, that's crazy. But I trust them. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So string theory also says that there's a thing called supersymmetry which says that every particle has a partner called a super partner. And so one particle is the matter, and then the other particle mediates the interactions between particles. Okay. So they kind of have two different purposes, uh-huh. and, and everything is connected kind of in that quantum entanglement kind of concept. Yeah, 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 okay. And I like to think of string theory as like, if DNA is a mi- tiny microscopic string that indicates everything about how a life should be built, this is like the universe's DNA. Understood. Like at the absolute lowest scale are these little strings that are vibrating and that tells the larger things what to do. Interesting. So how do they apply string theory with regard to like explaining the universe? Is this just the word they're still like in the process of experience? Like, why is this cool? Why do we want to know this? What's cool about it is this is the best we got. Right, right. (laughs) Totally. I mean, I feel like in the next 20 years, it's going to be so much more elucidated. But mm-hmm. right now, because there's like just enough information to get us interested, but not enough to fully explain it. That's what kind of opens the door to these theories of multiverses, whether or not they're true. Right. But I also, you know, it's not a bad thing to like think about it. Like, what if? No, I mean, like within this universe of theories, there's like string theory, there's super string theory, mm-hmm. there's M theory, there's brain theory. Like the, the, all these right. things are kind of related to the same idea and it gets complicated and confusing but uh, like i like to think of it as we may be on the right track without seeing the actual picture's details totally like we're looking at a blurry picture and going i think that's a truck that looks like a house might be a mountain right (laughs) i don't know totally putting clues together and it might turn out that the picture that we're looking at is like a duck we may be completely wrong about string theory but For now, we think tiny violin strings vibrating at the right frequencies makes everything in the world. I just like the idea that it's like these vibrating strings make us all up and the music's in us. Right, right. Vibrations. Mm -hmm. Feel it, feel it. Feel the vibrations. (laughs) So Jet Li does a lot of fighting in this movie. Oh, yeah, (laughs) It's a primary... uh, drawer to this but so he uses two distinct fighting styles for each of his characters Gabe and Yula the lawless guy the bad Mm. guy right they're two of the three main internal styles of Chinese Kung Fu the third of which is Tai Chi now I didn't know the difference between internal and external martial arts but internal martial arts focuses on using Chi which you might have heard of this put very simply it's basically just the energy within the body that you harness mentally through a combination of like relaxation stillness of mind focus meditation this kind of thing and also just like slower movements now the internal martial arts do not encourage overt emotional aggression and anger as a primary power source so external martial arts such as kung fu karate taekwondo they use muscular strength bursts of physical tension growls and then sometimes overt aggression that's often catalyzed by the release of adrenaline Mm. so in the one he's using these two internal fighting styles and let me just Note, I will destroy the pronunciation of these terms. Let's <laughs> yeah. just be cr- clear about that. So the evil Yula uses Qing Hi Chuan. 
I also read Zingyi Quan, but I'm not sure. It's composed of three terms, and Chuan translates to fist. Tsing means to form something, and specifically Tsingyi refers to the ability of the mind to create an idea and project it into the body. So loosely Ooh. translated, it's mind form fist. Ooh. So this is often considered the most direct and yang practice of the internal martial arts. So little refresher, yang is the male portion of the yin and yang, That's you know, right. more direct, more like fierce and masculine, yep. you know. <laughs> the the look of this this fighting style is very military in its appearance. It's kind of straight lines. It looks more like karate or karate. It looks more <laughs> like karate, which is an external martial art. But the physical technique, this is what's so fucking crazy about it, is the physical technique is based completely on efficient use of the Nigong internal power system. The basic components are things like these breathing methods and certain practices and training or whatever that you somehow make circles and spirals of energy inside the body. Hmm. You get to the point where you control the body's spiraling energy currents and then you move the chi, that energy, you can just move it at will. So in other words, you're kind of connecting every part of the physical body into one unified energy. Now, I don't know. Have you ever seen someone practice Tai Chi? Like, do you know what I'm talking about? It's very slow The slow moving. on the beach. Yeah. So, Patrick Swayze, yeah, totally, shirtless. Totally. Yeah, yeah. So this is very similar to that in the sense that it seems very slow, but it's like just, again, harnessing that power as opposed to just being like, I'm going to fucking uh, beat against this punching bag right, for a while, right. right? It's less like a just an unleashing of How, Yeah, and I'm anger. like, ah, right. angry, yeah, 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 yeah. testosterone. <laughs> but yeah, so then there's these like five corresponding forms or fists that are each linked to the five ele- elements. So there's the chopping and cutting fist that's associated with the metal element. There's the drilling fist for water, crushing fist for wood, pounding fist for fire, and the crossing fist for the earth element. They also have 12 animal forms that are linked to, you know, certain applications Mm. of the art. So that, again, like I said, for the novice looking from the outside in, it looks like karate to me. (laughs) But the one that Gabe does is fucking crazy. This is called Bagua Zhang, or the eight triagrams palm. And it's characterized by open palm fighting and circular footwork. But this is one where it's just kind of a, like, all bets are off thing. It was meant for fighting up to eight opponents at once. Mm -hmm. So you can hit with any part of your body, your hand, your head, your shoulder. You can punch from any angle as Mm -hmm. opposed to just punching like straight lines like the other one. Is this what Evil Jet Li is using? This is Gabe. Who's the, who's, I think Eula is the bad one, the evil one, the one that's using the more Yang. Yeah, there's Gabe Law and Gabriel Eula. Mm. (laughs) So they're both Gabe. Okay, so this is Law. This must be, yeah. Yeah, Eula did the, the first one. Right, right, right. So yeah, you can you can like punch from any angle. You can throw people without grabbing them by tripping them mm. through careful placement of your foot. There's like chokes and joint locks, and there's also these grabbing techniques where you seize your attacker's skin and try to rip it off his body. Holy shit! <laughs> yeah. So like I said, it was designed to fight up to eight people at once, and it's basically just saying that more than eight people couldn't really fuck with you because you don't like if you're a constant moving target, mm-hmm. it'd be hard for upwards of eight people to fight you without getting into each other's way, right, you know, right. unless they had spears or something. <laughs> so yeah, it's just kind of crazy because when you watch these techniques of how to practice it, they have something called Bagua circle walking, which is supposed to create this vortex that allows the practitioner to amplify, mix, and control the natural energies within the body, both coming up from the ground and from the sky above and mm. shit. Now, watching somebody do this, it looks not dissimilar to some of the jazz walks I did in my dancing days. Oh, yeah? It's like walking around a circle and making like sliding your feet past each other so that they touch. There's just something mm. about like you set the foundation there of just, I guess, the discipline of 
getting that like I don't know it body sounds, control yeah it sounds crazy to be able to just harness the power within through such you know slow movements and yet I practice yoga and that's the same fucking thing right. through breathing and what like you actually use your breath to create this power so mm-hmm. it's not beyond the realm of imagination it's fucking crazy and then you see them do it and you're like but it looks like you're just kicking ass right now right. you're so concentrated it's just like you're graceful and it's nuts you're just able to get to the point where like just by moving your finger a fraction of an inch or just a tiny little bit like all of that power that you've been harnessing inside will just like jump out of you in the in the fighting application. So wow. these are also trainings that last years. It's not just like, well, week one, you know, bag while walking. It's like you would do that for three years right. until, and then you just like keep adding more and more of these Nigong internal systems. So, so you got to get those 10,000 hours in. Yeah, that's right. To become an expert. Exactly. Yeah. Well, what do you think about that? Like, what do you think about in terms of like internal versus external fighting or like being able to harness that? Well, we've talked a lot about like mind body connection and the ways that we don't really fully understand that. And like my initial reaction at moments is like, uh, it's probably bullshit. You know, there's like internal energies and all that or whatever. But then it's like, no, there's ways that you can control your muscle movements and, and you can control like elements of blood flow and your heart rate and your breathing and being able to harness those things in a way that makes you more powerful, I I buy it. Right. I mean, and it's not necessarily saying that you just like sit there and imagine and somehow like your body just becomes that way. It's like clearly you have to practice the thing. Right. You know, and for somebody like me who's just sort of like, come on, ADD, I got stuff to do. You know, like the idea of spending years of walking around in a circle, I would be really judgy. I mean, I was judgy even in my like vocal breathing (laughs) classes at Sarah Lawrence. I'd be like, what are we doing here? It's 9 a.m. Like I didn't not get out of bed for this bullshit just to yeah yeah but i think so much of it has to come from your willingness to like dig into that you know what i mean you can't be like a a judgy person when you're doing well i think it's the kind of thing of like when you've been doing one thing over and over again for many years you realize like you're gonna see a subtle difference in it that nobody else will. Right. Like even if it's a sport, like somebody who focuses only on baseball batting, uh-huh. and you look at somebody's like batting stance, you're gonna notice something different if you right. looked at thousands and thousands of them than I'm gonna notice because I'm I'm gonna look like yeah, I mean his arms are up totally. And they're gonna be like yeah, but look at the way his toe is pointed. Right. <laughs> and like, right. Well, I mean, and especially when you think about the tenets or like just the fundamentals of it, if this internal versus external, like obviously fighting from a place of aggression or a place of exerting exerting dominance seems right. so obvious. You're like right. just physically contracting, you're using that anger, you're using the emotion, but like not using emotion and yet being able to destroy somebody if you need to. Right. You're like, I'm going to rip your skin off your body, but <laughs> I'm gonna be really, really fucking chill doing it. Yeah, I'm gonna be fully relaxed. <laughs> Science. Good Jet Lee is getting stronger as he's getting older, and he doesn't really understand why this is happening. Mm-hmm. It turns out that it's because there are fewer Jet Lees in the multiverse, and so he's consolidated the energy, and so he's becoming faster, quicker, right. stronger. And I wanted to look into steroids, because oh, yeah, that's man. a thing that makes older people better at physical activities. Totally. I'm going to focus on the kind of steroids that you take to build muscle, because there's a ton of legitimate reasons a doctor would prescribe you a steroid for a medical issue. Mm. I actually remember my dad was on a type of steroid to help with this pneumonia thing, which made him feel like shit the whole time he was on it, but eventually helped the lung issue. Mm -hmm. Separately, it more than likely weakened his arteries, which led to a sudden aortic dissection when he was 65. But that doesn't mean that he shouldn't have taken the steroids. Mm -hmm. It's just steroids are complicated and 
and dangerous potentially. Totally. They're also used to help AIDS patients and a lot of other, you know, real medical issues. I had like a bad strep throat or something, like a like uh-huh. bronchitis or something. They gave me steroids. Yeah, it, I mean, it's not the steroids that you use to build muscle, but mm. it's it still works the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. So bodybuilding steroids work a lot like natural testosterone, which basically increases muscle growth, strength, recovery, and leanness. It makes your muscles synthesize proteins faster and degrade slower, Mm -hmm. and it stops your body from creating fat cells. And so when you normally lift a barbell, some of your muscle fibers break, and your body rebuilds more of them to strengthen that area. And that's how normal muscle building works. That's why you're a little bit sore after it. It's called delayed onset muscle soreness. (laughs) Exactly. So. So steroids make this process happen in a much, much bigger way. It's kind of crazy how much muscle can be built. There's a limit to the amount of muscle mass a normal human being can naturally build in a given period of time. And this stuff just blows it out of the water. Totally. So there was a study where a group of people just exercised for 10 weeks and they gained 4.4 pounds of muscle. Mm-hmm. A second group of people used just steroids with no exercise and they gained 6.6 pounds of muscle. Man. A third group had steroids and exercise together and they gained 13 pounds of muscle. Right, right. So you gain more muscle taking steroids and just sitting around than no steroids and working out a ton. Mm -hmm. Apparently, the study used a lot less of the steroids than people often do. And they used basic testosterone when there's much more effective steroids out there Mm -hmm. that you may find in your local gym. (laughs) So There's a bunch of terrible side effects some of which can be permanent, but most are actually reversible. The reversible ones include the famous ball shrinking. Ah, yes. Acne, cysts, oily hair and skin, high blood pressure, increased cholesterol, lowered sperm count, and increased aggression. Mm -hmm. Irreversible damage is stuff like male pattern baldness, liver disease, and breast development. Yeah, man. Oof. Mm Mm-hmm. It's heard about those man boobs. They're also highly addictive. Yeah. And people get addicted to the feeling of when they're on cycle, as they call it. Can you explain for those who don't understand why men form breasts from steroids? Do you know? Steroids are converted by the body into estrogen. Oh, my God. And so this increase in estrogen can lead to development of breasts. Oh, man. It's almost like biology is just telling you, like, Get down, big shit. <laughs> exactly. I know you try to be like machismo as fuck here, but well, if you think about it, testosterone and estrogen are kind of complementary exactly. hormones in male and female bodies. Right. So when they're on cycle, like usually when people are taking steroids, they like go on the steroids and do like a heavy bodybuilding thing, and then they take a period of time where they're off. Mm-hmm. And apparently, when they're on steroids, they feel invincible. They have more energy and more confidence. But when they're off cycle, like I saw a quote of a guy who said he felt like a shadow of his superhero self Mm. and that he was stuck in second gear the whole time Mm -hmm. because he felt like a superhuman when he was actually on it. Mm -hmm. With all this said, I feel like there's a separate conversation to have about like the right people have to do whatever they want with their bodies. Mm -hmm. There's pressure to look better and to be better everywhere in the world. And there's an argument to be made that we should let people do what they want. Where things get a little more complicated is how do you fit this into organized sports? Right. I feel like that's... I'm sorry to interrupt. No, 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 please. Well, I I feel like that's where the the controversy truly lies. I mean, we hear a lot about 
roid rage and that kind of the, the added aggression, which mm-hmm. I could f- mm-hmm. I find problematic in its own way. But I think the only time I really have an issue with it, just consider we do body modification all the time, right. is with regard to sports. Now, right. we've talked before about how it'd be one thing if it was like, here's the roid sport team. Well, that's what I was like going to say. Like the Monstars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the Monstars. Like there's a little part of me that would love to see a physical enhancement league where yeah. everybody is on steroids. But then are you encouraging people and promoting something that's truly dangerous? Right. I mean, and certainly when you think about some of these negative effects, not just the the physical manifestation of the negative effects, but the depression that that comes with mm-hmm. it, you know, mm-hmm. it's the same way. I just watched the fucking Super Bowl yesterday and yeah. it's like, I love watching the sports teams run and fight and whatever. But, <laughs> you know, the more we realize like we're watching these people hurt themselves mm-hmm. and the more CTE shit and the concussions and all of that. If everything is normalized to be like, well, in order to be in that league, you need to be on steroids. And that's just a thing people do. Totally. Then, then that's like not the place you want to take society to. Yeah. Where it's like you're kind of encouraging people to do this dangerous thing. It seems like it's also under wraps, though. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. when the reality is so many bodybuilders or whatever are, of course, using steroids. Like when I found out that fucking right. Arnold was using steroids, I was just like, is anything is anything true? <laughs> and he was using like 70s steroids that totally. aren't really <laughs> they good. They were like the monster. To, fucking, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. But that was also before people even understood that it was like a thing. People were starting to understand, but it mm-hmm. was like early days people were like yeah it's a thing it helps your muscles grow like I don't know I struggle with this because it's like when it comes to just someone's confidence of just you know getting through the day like life is hard I sort of feel like do whatever the fuck you need to in order to get through it Mm -hmm. at the same time of course I don't like the idea of you know it no longer being about just like true honest training and dedication to something your whole life like if somebody can sit on their fucking ass and get more muscle mass than somebody who goes to the gym that's just it's just lazy it's lazy bones but then you combine those two and you get the person who's doing both and that's that person cares more about it than anybody i get or does he and i guess that that's where the argument of if the if it's disclosed Mm -hmm. it's just the you know when you hear about these doping scandals of being like whole teams have been implicated in this stuff that it's just a bummer because it's like it's phony yeah you don't want an unfair sport yeah which is why let's make superhumans (laughs) Jet Li runs along rooftops a lot in this yeah, movie. He does. He's yeah. pretty wild. And so I dove into parkour. Mm. This is a word that I had heard. You jumped right into I, over I and through it. I and vaulted. You vaulted right into it. Tic tacked and cat leapt <laughs> all over. Now, okay, so parkour is a noun, not a verb, first thing. So you would say, huh. you guys want to go train parkour? You would never say, hey, guys, let's go parkouring. Oh. So that let's just get that out of the way, because I was like, what is Good this word? Know. From whence did you come? I was already using it wrong. <laughs> totally. A male who trains parkour is called a tuasseur. I don't, I'm using so many French. fun, fun French accents. Yeah. A female who trains parkour is called a tresseuse. These terms, of course, originated in France where the term parkour was actually coined. So it essentially is just... Why go- is it called parkour? Sorry. I will tell you. Yeah. Essentially going from one place to another in the quickest and most efficient way possible is what parkour is. It's you're overcoming any obstacle you encounter through the use of your own body. It's looked at as a discipline and lifestyle much like martial arts, but whereas martial arts is the art of fight, parkour is the art of flight. It's to, Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. To flight, me... 
Flight. Flight. Yeah. To me, it's basically like, you know that guy in middle school who just like wouldn't walk normally? He would oh, walk yeah. always on like the edges of things and yeah. like up on the side, totally. the, the backs of chairs and all that guy. Uh, that guy taken to an extreme yeah. is what parkour... I like walking on curbs. Yeah. Just, like, you know... It's more fun than walking on the sidewalk. Totally. Now, and of course, it's been around since man first figured out how to escape predators in the wild, right? right? You know, yeah. like using the environment, the trees, hills, and rocks mm-hmm. to just, you know, jump and swing and Tarzan your fucking way around, yeah. right? Now, the roots are... Are monkeys just parkouring through the trees all day? Yeah, that's their, like, ABP, always be parkouring. Although you're not supposed to say that. Always be training parkour. (laughs) ABTP. Now, the roots of parkour come from a discipline called Le Méthode Naturelle. Which was developed by a man named George Herbert. I'm not. I'm not Herberin around. Herbert. Now, yeah. now, so this is based on what he believed to be essential human movements to walk, run, climb, move on all fours, swim, balance, lift, throw, and practice self-defense. Now, he was also one of the first main proponents of the obstacle course or parkour for physical training, which has become standard in military training around the world. So it's it like comes a- from a French word for obstacle course. Okay, because yeah. it's like in a park. I'm a, maybe, I think that's just the word for said, obstacle course. Okay, all right, yeah. <laughs> right? I don't know how to say to walk in French, but listeners, help us out. I'm uh, not going to go It's an obstacle park. Yeah. Now, sometime in the 80s, one of Herbert's followers had this kid, David Bell, who took the method and created a discipline called l'art de déplacement. I'm just having so much fun with Plasma this. art? It looks like the art of deplacement. Oh, okay. Yeah, Deplacement. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I <laughs> heard you know plasma. That. Yeah. <laughs> Deplacement. Now, they originally called their group the Yamakaze, but so then eventually the term parkour, which is spelled P-A-R-C-O-U-R-S, was altered into how we see it now, which is P-A-R-K-O-U-R. Gotcha. So it's all just Frenchy McFrencherson. Right. Now, a quick note about parkour versus free running. Free running is more about creativity and expressing yourself with movement. So parkour is more about efficiency of just moving from place to place. So if you add a bunch of flips and like inefficient mm. movements that are just fancy and acrobatic or whatever, mm-hmm. that's free running. That's not parkour because you're still going to get eaten by a lion. Gotcha. Basic parkour move, moves. There's a ton. Obviously, there's like a ton of training, but I found some of the important things that you want to keep in mind, right? So the, of course, there's balancing. Like you could practice by, you know, walking on rails mm-hmm. or you can take up slack lining, which is similar to tight roping but like loose small <laughs> just slack, more dangerous slack yeah <laughs> well yeah, I don't know if you've seen but it's yeah it's where like the line isn't tight it's right. just kind of like loopy yeah but you're essentially just practicing being able to just like fucking heel toe it tight yeah, rope yeah, it or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. and so that's gonna help you when you're you know along the edge of walls and shit like some of the shit these people are doing what's the video game that's like all parkour with the hood Oh, uh, Assassin's Creed. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's it's yeah. Everybody's shit like that. Assassin's Creeding around the world. Just, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're on like like I think about like that scene in the Matrix where Neo has to like go outside of his office building like onto like the ledge yes, and yes. he's like trying to get around to the other window totally. to avoid the guys and it's like parkour people are just hanging out on those ledges. Oh my god, just running along like they're confident, like they're on the ground. Totally, I know. Well, because then there's like precision jumping, which is what you train to do to be able to land on very small areas. Areas, like mm. the top of a wall or like right. a tiny little like a stone step in the middle of a body of water or whatever. Yeah, what the hell? So much concentration, balance, awareness. And then they focus on a lot of two foot landings. Like if you're jumping from these crazy heights or whatever, just learning how to land and being able to like bend and let your arms touch the ground to, to absorb the impact. Mm-hmm. It's the same with rolling where you kind of like roll from one shoulder to the other opposite hip and mm. then you're able to roll and land 
like both feet on the ground and like land upright. It's so, I mean, someone, I feel like if you just start with some like tumbling or whatever as a little kid, that's the way to start right, it. And right. just, you have to be kind of an acrobat. Well, it sounds like there's crazy geometry that needs to be like perfected in your physical movements. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's because it's the efficiency to be able to absorb impacts. It seems mm-hmm. like a lot of that because your body is taking all of this. And that's because there's one thing called a cat leap. And this is the combination of a jump and a climb. It's where... I mean, Lara Croft was doing this shit all over the place. But you know, where you, she have, started to, it, you guys. have to jump and hang and then mm-hmm. you like push your feet into the wall and you're kind of pulling up as you're, you know, so it's not mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. upper body. It's like absolutely a total body workout. Right. I feel like just training parkour, whether or not you actually do that and risk your life is fucking amazing. More like, like just more training like parkour on an op- parkour strength. Thank you, Jeff. I'm going to bow abs. my way out of this apartment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Of course, they have all of these fancy pants moves. There's like the tic-tac, which is when you, you know, someone runs towards a wall at an angle. Mm -hmm. Let's say there's like some kind of gate that you can't get over and you're like, I'm going to use this wall. So I'm going to run on the wall and be like over Mm -hmm. it. So you're running on the wall to get over. It's fucking insane. Yeah. And they make it look so easy, but it's like you're pushing off with your foot in the direction that you're already going. It's just so like... I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of wipeouts when you're first yeah. learning this shit. I would wear a universe of pads. A universe. Like, <laughs> I know. I mean, like those big like sumo wrestling yeah. things that are, like where like you're like in some big sock and bopper totally body suit but it kind of defeats the purpose because the whole point is to be able to be like move quickly (laughs) (laughs) here we go i'm totally fine yeah man i was because i was watching a bunch of these videos i was like what the fuck is a kidnap and i was like it's just the most amazing workout i've ever seen and so you're getting into it i think i should i think i should i can fucking i can fucking vault yeah start with the back of your couch yeah At one point in this movie, he's got to get an MRI because they're like, am I going crazy? Am I seeing myself everywhere? What's happening? <laughs> right. So he goes in to get an MRI. Is and that what, I'm sorry to interrupt, but is that something you would do if you thought you saw something? Do they give you MRIs for if delusions? If I thought I was crazy, I would get some head scans. Okay, I don't know okay. that it would necessarily be MRI or CT scan or what, but totally. I would get something well, done. Like what's going on? Is there some yeah. blood up there? Yeah. Right, okay, right. okay, I get it. So MRI stands for magnetic resonance imaging. And in the movie, at one point, like the, MRI machine gets turned on and like the gun in bad Jude Laws get ha- er, Jude Law. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Jet Lee. His name is Gabe Law. Right. Look. Gabe Jude Law. I'm not going to beat myself up over that. <laughs> you Law, Jude Law. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> help me. Thank you. So he's got a gun in his hand and as the MRI gets turned on, it gets like ripped out of his hand and flung into the MRI machine. Oh, right. The magnet. Okay, gotcha. gotcha. And MRIs, which stand for magnetic resonance imaging, has an insanely powerful magnet in it. To give you a sense of how powerful Earth, Earth's magnetic field, which is at least strong enough to handle a compass, mm-hmm. has a magnetic strength of 0.5 gauss. Gauss is a unit of measurement in okay. like magnetic gauss? strength. Okay, yeah. gotcha. MRIs are between 10,000 and 30,000 gauss. Whoa. So, I mean, the Earth's magnetic field is relatively weak in, mm. in what you feel, but... 10,000 to 30,000 is a very significant magnetic pull and anything more than 30,000 is actually not allowed in like commercial medical imaging. Oh, okay. Yet. Yeah. Like there are certain magnets that we do for other things that can go much higher than that. It's actually every 10,000 gauss equals 1 tesla of magnetic strength. Okay. I was reading all about these 
units of measurement. <laughs> All right. So, Is that where Tesla comes from? Tesla was a man named Nikola Tesla who had Oh, invented, it's named after yeah, Nikola Tesla. Yeah, 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 oh, yeah, yeah. okay. So because of this strong magnetism, if you have any metal on your body, like a piercing, and if you didn't take it off before getting in an MRI, it could be ripped out and flung into the wall. Uh, this also means that anybody with a pacemaker or certain meta- metal implants, like in your shin or something like that, they none of them can ever do an MRI. Is, do they use magnets for x-rays at all? No, x-rays are a completely different thing. And same always, with CT scans. Okay, because I always had to take my my piercings out if I would get any x-rays on, like dental or well, anything Because the like x-ray that. will still pick up the metal piercing and not be able to see through it. Oh, so okay. So if it's be like, like blocking the image, right. exactly. Understood. So like, it's a completely different reason to take it off. Right. I, w- I would have to take my nose ring, my tongue ring out. <laughs> yeah. Makes sense. So it's not because it'll get ripped out of your skull. Right. It's just it'll like make the reading Wrong. Wrong. Exactly. Gotcha. Okay, understood. There have been a couple of incidences of MRIs going wrong with metal close enough to the machine, including a story about an oxygen tank flying over and hitting a patient in the head. Oh, man. Yeah. But MRI workers also need to make sure that they don't accidentally bring in a paper clip or a metal pen or something, Just or it could, it could become a projectile in the room. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. You, all the bling has to be gone. And if you bring your credit card in there, its magnetic strip will probably be erased. Oh. Which is why we have these fancy chip and pin systems, oh, so that man. you can keep your wallet on you when you go into the MRI. I'm such an old woman now. I like every place I go these days. I'm just like, is it chip? Is it chip? <laughs> you know, because like, occasionally they'll be like, no, you got to slide the it. The chip like, doesn't it, work right now. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I'll just be like, is it chip? I'm like, oh, this is how old people feel. People every new feel, thing yeah. that happens, and you're like, I'm uncomfortable. Exactly. That's funny. I just think it's weird that we could take a magnet and create a detailed image of the brain from it totally i don't think i ever i never actually truly knew what mri stood for Mm -hmm. so that all makes sense now but all right all right mri (laughs) mri i'm all right i'm all right (laughs) did you have any favorite lines no i don't remember any lines in this movie do you neither I don't really remember any lines. There was a moment where the cop was chasing Jet Li, and he's like, he's doing 50, because he's like running 50 miles an hour. I did look into that, and the fastest that a human being could even theoretically run is 40 miles per hour. Right. And that's like, nobody's ever done it. Usain Bolt comes in at about 28 miles per hour on really? the 100 meter splint. So how the sprint. fuck do they know that physically if someone could go 40 miles this per hour? This was a weird thing. I was reading it like what it indicated was that like the amount of time that your foot can hit the ground, the amount of force, like there, there's like oh. three major elements of this mathematical thing. And at a certain point, it doesn't matter how strong your muscle fibers are. The quickness that with which you can leap off of the ground. Gotcha. Yeah. Like, so they're talking about like the the possibilities for a human being if you just trained if you if you were beyond Usain Bolt I know, like the like, literal f- limit physically that yeah. could theoretically happen could be 12 mi- miles faster an hour than, than him. him that's yeah. fucking crazy yeah. i'm glad i haven't seen it freak me out on the other side cheetahs can go about 70 miles an hour i was just going to say i was like but that is nothing although right. it's like we got two legs man we don't have four well what <laughs> i like is like i also read and we don't know this but i we think that the t-rex maxed out at 18 oh. miles per hour so could hussein possibly? could run right by him See, not even have to worry don't about worry it don't worry about me yeah i know if only usain bolt was in jurassic park it would have been like 
a way so better mellow. movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, with that, you can find us at oh that's a thing.com and on Facebook and Twitter. I'm at It's a Joya Mia on Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Jeffrey Ekman, and you can find us next week here doing the movie The Beach. Oh man. Fuck. Oh Leonardo. <laughs> the least sci-fi movie I think we've done. But yeah, also... next to Space Jam, but even that, it's like I'd say that Space Jam is way more sci-fi than the beach. I highly disagree, <laughs> but that's fine. It's silly. It's so silly. It we is. let Leonardo get away with so much because of that fucking angel face of his. He was My allowed goodness. to do whatever he wanted. <laughs> we'll see you then. Bye. Bye.